One Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. Joshua chapter 1, and I want to read starting at verse 10. Joshua chapter 1, verse 10, and it says this, Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp. And the, uh, Let's see, pass through the camp. I lost my place. And command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you will cross over, everybody say cross over, this Jordan, to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh, Joshua spoke saying, remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you saying, the Lord your God is giving you rest and is giving you this land. Who could use some rest? Who needs some rest? Parents that were just up here. God's giving you rest. I love that. And is giving you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan. But you shall pass before your brethren armed, all your mighty men of valor, and help them until the Lord your God has given your brethren rest as he gave you, and they also have taken possession of the land which the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses the Lord's servant gave you on this side of the Jordan toward the sunrise. So they answered Joshua saying, all that you command us we will do, and wherever you send us we will go. Just as we heeded Moses in all things, so we will heed you. Only the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words, in all that you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and of good courage. If you're new to one church and you hear that, shall be put to death, uh, relax today. We do not practice the death penalty here, okay? But uh, what, a, what a powerful passage of Scripture. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, Lord, this morning for your word. God, we thank you that your word is alive. And God, we pray that, that our hearts would be stirred today. Father, we pray that our minds would be focused and attentive. And God, we pray, Lord, that more than hearing a message from me today, God, I pray that you would speak to your people. Father, we don't want our hearts to be fallow ground. We don't want, Lord, for other things to choke out, Lord, the word. God, we want to be hearers of it. We want to receive it by faith. And Lord, we pray today that you would come, that you would fill this place with your presence as you're already here. God, we ask now that you would anoint me to preach. God, we pray you'd anoint every person to receive by faith, Lord, so that they can possess everything that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody says, amen. Amen. Possess the land. Possess the land. We started uh, a new series a couple of weeks ago that we are calling Possess the Land. And this is a, a powerful series going through the book of Joshua. And if you're new to the scripture, the book of Joshua is an amazing, amazing book that's all about progress, all about uh, movement and moving forward in the purposes of God. 
Uh, it's all about getting unstuck in your life. Uh, anybody ever been in a place where you've been stuck? Anybody ever been in a season where you feel like no matter how hard I try, I just can't move forward? Well, well, we see in the book of Joshua some incredible words of encouragement uh, for anybody that's ever been in one of those places. And, and I shared with you, really, the story of the book of Joshua is a continuation of the story of God's people. If you know the story of the Bible, the story of God's people, uh, God had promised to a people that he would bring them into a good place, that he would bring them into a land of blessing, that he would bring them into a land flowing with milk and honey. He'd bring them in. I love what he says in this place. I'm going to take you into a place of rest. And God said, I'm, I'm going to do that for you. Now, at the time, uh, that was incredibly encouraging because God's people at that time, they had been slaves. Now, do you know what a slave does not do? A slave does not rest. And so this was good news. God's going to bring us out of slavery. God's going to bring us out of bondage. God's going to bring us out of this place of captivity. And really, that's a picture of what God does for every single person who puts their faith in Jesus. The, the, the Bible says this, that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, shall be delivered, shall be brought out of bondage, captivity, uh, out of oppression. Now, I'm not just talking about external oppression, uh, although, of course, it applies to that. What we're really talking about is internal oppression, internal slavery to sin. And so God now has brought the children of Israel out of bondage, and, uh, but they have yet to enter into the promised land. And now they've spent 40 years in the wilderness and, you know, that's a picture of how a lot of Christians live their lives. They're, they're saved out of sin, but they don't really know what they're saved into. You know, they're, they're like saved, but not fully. Now, they'll go to heaven when you die, but how many of you know salvation is about more than making it to heaven? Moses made it to heaven, but he missed his destiny. He, he missed the rest. He missed the promise that God had for him. He came out of Egypt, but he did not go into the promised land. And I, I want you to understand that God has more for you than just living, uh, trying not to sin and eking it into heaven when you die. God's got a lot more for you than that. God's got uh, life to the full. God's got a place of joy, a place of peace, a place of blessing, a place of fruitfulness that he's not wanting to just take you out of the past. He wants to take you into everything that he has for you. And so the, the first passage that we read or, or the first part of this book of Joshua is all about the inheritance. God's saying, I want to take you in. And again, there's many Christians that, that understand what they're saved from, but they don't know what they're saved to. They know they're saved from sin, but they don't know they're saved to uh, uh, blessing, from bondage to blessing. And God had said that to Joshua. Joshua, I want you to cross over. I want you to move into the fullness of what, you, what I have for you. I have an inheritance. I, I don't know if you realize this, but an inheritance is not something that you have earned. It's something that someone else has, has paid for, has worked for, and has been... In, 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 has been entrusted to you, has been imparted to you. 
And God says to Joshua, to the children of Israel, there is an inheritance that I have for you. There's a greater place that I want to bring you into. But here in this passage that we just read, it begins to, to change tact a little bit. Uh, the first part of this chapter, God's saying, I'm, I'm going to bring you, Joshua, I'm going to bring you into this land. I want to bring you into this land. It's all about the inheritance. But, but what I want you to notice in this passage that we have just read this morning is that God here is not talking about their inheritance. He's talking about their influence. I want you to see this. The first part of chapter 1, God is saying to Joshua, there is an inheritance that I'm wanting to take you into, and you've got to cross over into that inheritance. I don't know about you, but I want everything that God has for me. I want everything that God has for me. But, but here it goes from God speaking to Joshua, uh, speaking to Joshua. Now what we read is no longer God speaking to Joshua. It's Joshua speaking to the people. It's not just the inheritance that Joshua is receiving or that Israel is receiving from God. Now Joshua is influencing the people that he is around. And there is some Christians that understand that they're not just saved from sin, they're saved to a life of blessing, a life of fullness, a life of promise. There's some Christians that understand that, but there's even few that understand that they're not just saved for an inheritance, but you're saved for an influence. God doesn't just bring you out of Egypt just and bring you into the promised land, into a place of blessing, just for you to say, look how blessed I am. He brings you in so that you can become an agent of blessing to the world around you. In fact, even in the passage that, he, that we read, he said to the, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh, they had already come to their promised land on one side of the Jordan. But he says, now I want you to go fight with your brothers. I want you to go lay hold of not just your own inheritance, but I want you to help somebody else to come into the inheritance that I have for them. Now, I don't want you to just come into a place of inheritance. I want you to come into a place of influence. And that's what I want us to understand that for every follower of Jesus, God's not just called us to receive an inheritance. He's called us to be an influence in the world around us. You see, ultimately, everything that God does in the world, he does through a person. I don't know if you realize that. Everything that God does on the earth, he does it through a person. That means this, that if there is a place where there is an absence of God's purpose on the earth, we can pray all we want, and we should. But ultimately, God is going to move through a person. Wherever there is a problem, God is looking for a person that he can use to be a solution to the problems on the earth. He, he's wanting to use people to release his kingdom on the earth. And so whether you view yourself as an influencer or not, God has called you to have an influence. God's called you to uh, not just be a follower, but God has called you to be a leader to other people. He's called you to be a leader. You may feel like I'm not a leader. 
I'm not an influencer. I'm, I'm not even good at selfies. <laughs> That's all right. I'm not talking about a natural influencer. I'm talking about a spiritual influencer. You see, this is one of the principles of the book of Joshua or one of the themes of the book of Joshua. And it is this, that, that without God, we cannot. But without us, he will not. Without God, we cannot. But without us, he will not. God wanted to bring the children of Israel into the fullness of their inheritance, but he needed a person who would lead them. He needed a person that would be willing to step up, that would not just say, I'm glad I've got my blessing, but somebody that would say, God, thank you that I have received from you, and now I want to impart into others what's been imparted into me. I want to be a leader. I want to be an influencer. The kingdom of God always advances through people who are willing to allow God to work through them to advance his purpose on the earth. The, the Bible says this, that how will they believe unless they hear? How will they hear unless they preach? Unless someone preaches, how will someone preach unless they're sent? God has has entrusted his eternal purpose on the earth to you and I. Now, I don't know about you, but that's kind of a sobering thought. You know why? Because I know myself. And I know you. And I don't know about you, but if I was God, scary thought I know, but if I was God, I don't think I would choose people to work through. But God is not a, a solo operator. God, out of his very nature, is, works in partnership and cooperation. And he's looking across the earth for people who would say, God, I'm willing to partner with you to fulfill your purpose on the earth. I'm willing to allow you not just to bring me into my inheritance, but to bring me into my influence for the kingdom of God. And a lot of people uh, are not willing. Oftentimes, we, we're not willing to step into everything that God has for us. But I want you to understand this. What God wants to do on the earth is tied to our willingness to partner with him, our willingness to, to influence people around us. And so I want to give you today, as we're thinking about this, possessing the land, moving into the purpose of God for our life. I want to give you a few keys, I believe, out of the book of Joshua that, that are critical if we want to step into the place of influence that God has called us. I'll tell you this, as a church, uh, we've not scratched the surface of what God wants to do through our church. Look, look around the room right now. This is awesome. But I'm telling you, we've not scratched the surface and, and you know how we're going to move into what God has called us to do. It's not just through one person or two people. It's going to be through all of us stepping into our redemptive potential through Jesus Christ. God's called you to do more than go to heaven. God's called you to change the world. God's called you to do more than sit at the rapture bus stop and look at all the blogs online that... that Think about when Jesus is coming back. Do you know when Jesus is coming back? Soon. Soon. I don't know when, 
But you know what I want to be doing when he comes back? I don't want to be scrolling a blog. I want to be winning my neighbors. <laughs> I want to be influencing the lost. I want to be making a difference on earth. I want to be so busy that when Jesus comes back, he has to tap me on the shoulder. Uh, Justin, you can stop now. You can stop now. The job is done. The job is done. And that's what God wants for every single one of us. He's got more for you than biding time to go to heaven. And God wants you to go to heaven, but it's the last thing he wants you to do. Let it, let it sink in a little bit. Some of y'all are like, that sounds like heresy. No, it's not. It is literally the last thing he wants you to do. He's got a lot of things for you to do here and now. Look around the world. Is there some problems in the world? Do we have the kingdom of God in fullness manifest as Jesus prayed that kingdom come? No, then there is work to be done. There is work to be done. God has more for you than even just being a church attender. Attendance is good, but God wants us to move from attendance to assignment. Assignment. Stepping into your influence in the kingdom of God. So I want to give you four things. I said I was going to give you four things, then I kept going. All right. First thing I believe that we need to have if we want to be kingdom influencers in the world, number one is faithful service. Faithful service. Look at what the Bible says of Moses, how the Bible describes Moses. It says that the, 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 it came to pass in Joshua verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 1, it came to pass the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. I know that's a weird little uh, S apostrophe, Moses', Moses' assistant. But how is it describing Joshua? God, God is describing Joshua uh, not as the leader of Israel, but he's describing Joshua as Moses' assistant. You see, before Joshua stepped into the place of influence, before he could step into what God had called him to do, he had to be faithful in serving where God had put him. He had to be faithful in the work that God had given him to do. He was called to be the leader of Israel. He was going to be the leader of Israel. He was destined to lead God's people even further than Moses led them, but he had to first be faithful where God had put him. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I'd like to have everything that God has for me, and I'd like to have it now. But I've lived long enough now to be able to look in the mirror back behind me and say, God, thank you. You did not give me what I asked for and what I wanted when I thought I wanted it because I wasn't ready for it. And here Joshua was called to be the leader of Israel. He was called to lead them into the promised land, but he first had to be faithful in serving Moses. Now we don't know exactly what he was doing, but, but we do know this, that Moses would go into the tabernacle of meeting. He would go in to meet with God. And the Bible says that Joshua would linger outside. He'd just stand there. I don't know what he did. What did I do with my hands? I, I don't know about you, but I could imagine that Joshua may be tempted to say, why does Moses get to go in? Moses, who do you think you are? I'm just as good as you. I'm just as called as you. God's got just as great of a plan for my life as he has for your life. 
I'm as much of a leader as you are. But the Bible says that Joshua lingered outside. He, he, he waited. The Bible also tells us that when Moses lost his cool and slammed the, the, the uh, tablets on the ground and broke them, Joshua was there. Joshua is watching. I mean, if there was a moment that he could have felt like, move over, Moses, you're out. This guy's got an anger problem. I'm in now. If there had ever been a moment, that could have been the moment. But Joshua was faithful. Joshua was faithful in serving. And, and here we see a principle of the kingdom of God. And it is this, that when God needs a leader, he looks in the servants' quarters. He looks among the servants. He looks among people that are not out championing their own credibility and championing their own calling and telling everybody why if they just were in the place that they wanted to be, why they could do it so much better. But it's the people that are just willing and faithful to serve God wherever you've put me. I, maybe you're going to change my assignment in the future, but God, I'm just going to be faithful in this assignment right now. And God, I'm going to trust that as I'm faithful in what you've given me to do, that you will fulfill what you have purposed for my life. You see, here's a, a reality that if you cannot be content to serve, you cannot lead. Somebody that cannot serve is a horrible leader because they will use people to push their own agenda to push their own uh, success. But when you have the heart of a servant and you say, I don't, I don't care whether I'm a, I don't care where I fall on the org chart. I don't care uh, what my title is. I don't need a title. I just, I'm here to help. I'm here to help. Uh, I love when God was looking for a king among Israel and he found David. Where was David? He was not running his campaign around Jerusalem. He was out in the wilderness tending the sheep. And even in the moment when he was propelled into God's purpose through killing Goliath, do you remember what he was doing? He was bringing bread and cheese to his brothers. He, he was the hospitality team. He's, he was the water boy. I'm, he, I'm just trying to serve. I'm just trying to help. And God said, that's the one. That's the one. That's the one that I've called. That's a principle in the kingdom of God. You see, oftentimes we get, we get consumed with, if I could just get to that place, then God could really use me. And God's saying, I don't need you to just get into a place. I need you to be the person I've called you to be. Uh, God's more concerned about who you are than what you do. If we can get who we are, our character right, then, then God will fulfill the call, the purpose, the destiny that he has for our lives. But oftentimes, if we step in prematurely to the call, maybe the gift makes room for us, but the character is not prepared. Our gifting can get us there, but our character cannot keep us there. And here, Joshua was just being faithful, just serving behind the scenes. You see, he understood that it's not the job that makes the man or the woman. It's the man or woman that makes the job. It's not, if I could just get into that place, then I'd really be satisfied. I'd really, you know, I'd, I know I'd fulfill God's plan and purpose. It's, uh, I, this is who God's called me to be, and wherever I'm at, I'm just going to fulfill that. 
I've told you before about my uh, garbage men. I'm sorry, sanitation workers. If you ever need some inspiration, come to my house on Monday and Thursday mornings about 7 a.m. and watch our garbage men empty the garbage. Now, I don't know about you, but I have never thought in the list of occupations, I've never thought I would just love to dump garbage. I've got a kind of sensitive gag reflex, you know. I've never thought that I wanted to do that, but I see these guys, and when they come through with the garbage truck, I mean, you would think they're running for the mayor of Winter Park, which, by the way, if you live in Winter Park, there is an election this week, okay? But you would think they're running for office because there's such, there's such enthusiasm, there's such excitement, they're waving as they go. I mean, I, I feel like, I, can, can I enroll in your school of leadership, please? Because you come in and you change the atmosphere of our neighborhood. <laughs> because there's such enthusiasm. Why? Because they're faithful in what they do. And when you see somebody that is faithful in what they do, regardless of what they do, it becomes attractive to other people. They become an influencer. They're, they're not just a sanitation worker. They're a sanitation influencer. They, they are going to recruit people into that role. And so, number one, if we want to be influencers, number one, I believe we need to have faithful service. Mo, uh, Joshua was Moses' assistant. Number two, not only do we need faithful service, but number two, we need humble dependence. Humble dependence. Look at what the Bible says, or what God said to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. He says, only be strong and very courageous. Only be strong and very courageous. Now, do you know who you tell to be strong and very courageous? You don't tell someone that already walks around as if they are God's gift to humanity... And as if they are the bee's knees, you don't tell that person to be strong and very courageous. Who do you tell to be strong and very courageous? Someone who does not feel very strong and very courageous. In fact, not once but twice, God says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. God was saying to Joshua, Joshua... You, you, I, I want to give to you my strength because Joshua was not strong in and of himself. He was not walking around saying, I, I know I'm the leader of Israel. Look at me. I am God's gift to Israel. He was walking around and, and just happy to serve. And when God says to him, Joshua, I, I want you to lead my people into the promised land. He, he must have said, I, God, I, don't, I can't do it. I can't do it. He wasn't, yeah, God, actually, you got the right guy. I don't know if you've seen my LinkedIn page, but I'm pretty awesome. <laughs> he said, God had to say, Joshua, be strong and very courageous. You see, some people are too big for God to use. Some people, and we can all be that way, God would like to use us, but he can't use us because we're just too big for God to use. We're too strong in ourselves 
that we never find ourselves in the place of dependence on God. Then we all have our own strength. We all have our own gifting. We all have our own charisma. But our gifting and our charisma will never take us into what God has for us. If you're always the smartest in the room, if you're always the most talented in the room, you need a bigger room. And God was getting ready to take Israel into a land where there was giants. And Joshua knew, I don't have what it takes in the natural. I can't do it in the natural. And God said, that's exactly right. That's why I'm choosing you. That's why I'm going to use you. Because you have humble dependence. You see, the Bible says this in Isaiah 40, 29. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Who does God give power to? He gives power to the weak. That's why the Apostle Paul said this, I'll boast in my weakness. I'll boast in my, in, in my infirmity. i boast in my inability. I'm not walking around going, I got it, I'm here. I, I go, God, if you don't show up, if you don't show up, God, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't, I can't do what you call me to do. If, if you don't show up and God says, that's exactly where I'm going to show up. That's exactly where I'm going to show up. Paul says, you see your calling, brethren, not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. The world looks for the things that are strong. God looks for the ones that are weak. I love what Reinhard Bonnke said when he said, God looks for the zeros. God looks for the zeros. God looks for the ones that other people would overlook and say, they're, they're nothing, they're worthless. But God looks for them because when we stand on our own, we may be a zero, but when we come behind the one, a zero goes from one to ten. You put another zero by that zero, you go from ten to a hundred. I don't know how many zeros there are in this room. No offense, I am one, I'm a zero too. But behind God, we become an incredible force. For the kingdom of God. It's out of our humble dependence that God will use us. It's a principle of the kingdom of God that in the kingdom of God, the least is the greatest. It's in our weakness. It's in our vulnerability. It's in our, our, our own shortcoming that we're positioned for God to use us. So number one, God will use our faithful service. Number two, God will use our humble dependence to bring us into a place of influence. The third thing I want you to see, excuse me, the third thing I want you to see is why God can use me. Third thing I want you to see is this, that we also need a clear calling. A clear calling. Look at what God said to Joshua. He said to Joshua, Joshua, to this people, what people? This people. What people is this people? Israel. Steph, good job. Gold star. To this people, you shall divide as an inheritance the land. What land? The promised land, the Canaan, la Canaan land. You shall divide this land to this people. What I want you to see is that Joshua was not just a vague influencer. Joshua was called to be a, an influencer, called to be a leader to this people at this time 
for this purpose. And, and I believe that that's essential for every single one of us that, that we need to have a, not just a vague sense of calling, but we need to have a clear sense of calling. You see, most of us, I think all of us would say we know when we were born. But the question that I believe is perhaps more important is not when are we born, but why were we born? Why did God put us on the earth? And ultimately, I'll give you a hint. I love what Rick Warren says in the beginning of his book, Purpose Driven Life. The first three words are this. It's not, four words, I think. It's not about you. However many words. It's not about you. And ultimately, your calling is never just about you advancing your career, your purpose, your family, nothing wrong with those things. But ultimately, for every single person, if we want to step into a greater sphere of influence for the kingdom of God, our calling is always connected to the kingdom of God. It's always for God to use our lives to make the world a better place through his kingdom coming to the earth. And we need to live our lives with a clear sense of calling. We need to live our lives with a sense of, I know I was born for this. I know God has, has gifted me. He's called me. He's graced me for this place and for these people. Like the Apostle Paul said, I may not be an apostle to everyone, but I know I am to you. He's saying, I know my call is to lead you. He had a clear sense of calling. Why? Because God had spoken to him. He knew what he was called to do. You see, if your calling is not clear, everything else becomes negotiable. If you don't have a firm sense of calling, everything can become flexible in your life. Everything becomes flexible. Now, I'm not saying that your calling is not unfolding and, and, and continuing to move forward. But every one of us need a clear sense that God has called me for this. There's some that may be called for business. There's some that may be called uh, to uh, your, your primary area of calling, maybe in family and raising children. And uh, maybe some of you, your primary area of calling is in arts and creativity. And when you step into that place, you step into the grace of God that's on your life. That's why Peter said this in 2 Peter 1.10, make your calling and election sure. Make your calling and election sure. And I'll ask you the question. You don't have to answer it right now. Do you have a clear calling? Do you know what God has called you for? Do you know why God has put you on the earth? He's put each of us here for a purpose. There's a plan, a destiny for our lives. I want to give you quickly three things that I believe God uses to reveal his calling for our lives. These are subpoints if you're taking notes, okay? Subpoints. Three things that God uses to reveal his calling for our lives. And it is this a burning bush, a burning heart, or a burning building. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. A burning bush. As Moses had an encounter with God at the burning bush, and God spoke to Moses, there are times that God will speak to us or we will have an encounter with God that, that will change our destiny, that God will speak to us in an encounter. I know for me, uh, when I was 18 years old, 
I had a vague sense of calling. I had a vague sense of, I know I want to serve the Lord, but when I was 18 years old, I, I had a, a moment that God spoke to me, not audibly, but he spoke to me to plant a church and to be a pastor. And I knew that's what I was called to do. There's been moments throughout my life. I remember before we planted this church here, I was reading the, the, the book of Acts chapter 4 in the place where they said they were forbidden from preaching the gospel. And they said, uh, we can't help but preach the gospel. And when I read that, I felt like the Lord just, something happened on the inside of me. It's like a, a, a woman that is pregnant and going into labor, and when their water breaks, it's time. And I knew something happened. God did something. Naturally, nothing changed, but I knew that, that it was a burning bush moment. And God will use those moments to, to reveal our call, the call that he has for our lives, as he did for Moses. So God will use a burning bush moment, but God will also use a burning heart. A burning heart. What is a burning heart? A burning heart is perhaps not something that God speaks to you, but something that is burning on the inside of you. Something that you feel like, I, I, I can't help it. I'm, I have this passion in me. I've got to do something with this. And God will use a burning heart. Maybe some of you, you look around uh, the world and you see a problem. You see, uh, you, you, or maybe you see not a problem. You see a potential. Maybe it's a business and you think, I've got to do it. I've got to do it. And you go to bed at night thinking about a business idea. You wake up in the morning thinking about a business idea. What is that? That's a burning heart. Then God will use a burning heart. Think about Nehemiah with me for just a moment. God used Nehemiah in an incredible way. But did you know that God never spoke to Nehemiah to build the wall? Nehemiah had a burning heart. It was Nehemiah's own heart that was stirred by God. And the Bible says that he sat down and wept. And he said, I've got to do something about this. And God may be stirring your heart. And maybe that thing that is gnawing at you and nagging you is God's call and destiny for your life. God will use a burning heart. The third thing I want you to see is that God will use a burning building. Now, what in the world am I talking about with a burning building? It, what I'm talking about is God will use a need to reveal the place that he's called you to. How many of you know if you're driving down the road and you see a, a building on fire and you see some people in the second story, you know, yelling, help, help. How many of you know you don't need to go home and fast and pray about it? How, how many of you know you don't need to take a strengths finders test or Enneagram test or whatever other profile disc test? What do you need to do? You just need to help them. And sometimes God will expose you to a need to reveal his call for your life. Some of you, when you look at issues in the world, perhaps it's poverty or perhaps it's, it's uh, suffering and pain and God is stirring you to, to be an answer to that. Now, I love what God's doing, stirring the hearts of people in our church towards fostering, looking at the the, the, the need that there is, and there is a, a need in our community. From what I understand, there's a, a great need. Carrie, is that true? There's still a great need 
in our community. Now, I, I believe we need to, of course, respond in the grace that we have. But if you see a need, God may be speaking to you his calling, his purpose for your life through that need. And I believe every single one of us need to have a clear calling. We need to understand if we're going to influence the world around us, we need to have this sense of, I know why I'm here. I love what Jesus said when he stood before Pilate and, and he said, you say rightly, I am a king for this cause I was born. For this cause. You see, Jesus understood even as he went to the cross, although it was painful and although it was difficult, he was called for it. And when you know you're called to something, God will give you the grace to do what he's called you to do. When you're not living out of your calling, you live out of convenience and everything becomes flexible. Where you live becomes flexible. Who you live with becomes flexible. Whether you show up to work or not becomes flexible. Everything becomes flexible. But when you live with a clear sense of calling, God has called me for such a time as this. I love Esther, the story of Esther. Esther was a burning building moment. God didn't speak to Esther. Mordecai spoke to Esther and said, who knows, Esther? Uh, but maybe you've been brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. Maybe God's positioned you to, for this place so that you can be the deliverer of the children of Israel. It was a burning building, and she responded, and God changed history through Esther. And if we're going to be influencers, if we're going to influence and lead the world around us, we need to have a clear calling. The last thing I want you to see is that we need to live with courageous conviction. We need to live with courageous conviction. Look at what God said to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. He says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall, what does it say? We got two. That, let's see. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. This is why it's good to bring your Bible to church. But you shall meditate in it. Everybody say meditate. meditate. You shall meditate in it. In other words, it's not just have the book here. He says you've got to get it here and you've got to get it in here. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but in it you shall meditate day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. Where does the success come from? The success comes from the internal strength that comes from meditating on the word of God. As he was meditating on the word of God, there was an internal strength, an internal fortitude. He developed a courageous conviction. And I believe this, that God wants us today to be people that live with courageous conviction. I don't know if you realize this, but you cannot influence something that you're just like. Did you realize that? You, you can't influence the world. I can't influence the world if I'm just like the world. If I'm filled with anxiety, if I'm filled with, with fear, if I'm filled with, filled with timidity, I can't influence the world. We need to be people that are filled with courageous conviction. Now, what I mean by courageous conviction is not finger pointing at the world around us. Notice what God says to Joshua, this book shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it. 
It wasn't, you need to go yell this at other people. It was, you need to get this in you. You need to get it in you, this book of the law. You see, ultimately, the law externally was powerless to change people. And it still is today. It still is powerless today. That's why, although we should be engaged in politics, we should be faithful with our citizenship, the answer for the world will never come through the ballot boxes. Some of you aren't convinced. Let me tell you why. Did you know that a ballot box only reflects what's in somebody's heart? We live in a democracy. Do you know what shapes the government? It's hearts. So if we see a problem in our world, where does that problem come from? It comes from the heart. That's why if you're passionate about changing the world, you should be passionate about the gospel of Jesus Christ. You should be passionate about seeing people meet Jesus. Yes, we have to be passionate about the effects of the gospel. But it's the power of God unto salvation, the word of God. And God says, Joshua, I want you to get this in your heart. I want you to get it in your mind. You see, what you, manif- what you meditate on will manifest in your life. Uh, he, he's saying this, I want you to meditate on it because then as you meditate on it, it will be produced through your life. Jesus said it this way, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Worship team, you guys can come back up. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples. How do you bear fruit? Abiding in the word. Abiding in the word. Getting the word in you. I know sometimes, and I'm not dogmatic, legalistic, you got to bring a big black King James Version Bible. I don't think that's true. But here's what I would say. It's not my words that have the power to change your life. It's not a, a feeling and an atmosphere when the keys begin to play. That's fine. What is that? That's your soul. But it's, it's the, the word of God that will bring transformation into your life. And we've got to get the word from here into here. We've got to get it from here into here and in our ears so it can get in our mouths, so it can get into our hearts, so it can bear fruit in our lives. What you meditate on will manifest in your life. The purpose of the law was to reveal to the world what it looked like to live life under God's rule. Jesus said it this way. The whole law is summed up in this. Love God with all your heart. With all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Let me ask you this as we close. What kind of influence would God give us if we became people that were filled with the love of God because we've learned to abide in the word? There's a conviction on the inside of us that has been formed. I believe God wants to give us that kind of influence. I want to ask you if you would just to stand to your feet. We're going to close here in just a moment.